Holly G with the Golf Insiders. And uh, yep, we're on the eve of the U.S. Open Championship at Wingfoot. Uh, let's see. I got to get out the <laughs> the crystal ball here. This would be our our first major of the new season. Our second major of 2020. It's also hard to keep track of and. Uh, the best guy we can be speaking to today, one of the best sports performance coaches in the world, one of our favorites, Dr. Bob Winters, joining us today. Hi, Dr. Bob. Good morning, Holly. It's, uh, you know, we start talking about sports psychology. What I need now more is sort of a time management and calendar planner because even the regular wraparound season you know was sort of difficult for some of us because there's no end season now it just sort of one sort of blends into another but now because of everything that's gone on here in 2020 we've had to move everything back so it's it's sort of a different order of things and this does present differences into this upcoming major championship this week at wing foot well your uh, favorite uh, uh, tagline if you will is change your mind change your game and over the years you've applied at your athletic and coaching experience that set you apart on the mental side of the game to the students you have worked with uh, what I want to talk about today is how you know um, the amateur golfer out there. Uh, what do what do they do when they're getting pumped up for their big event? You know, the the tour players approach the majors in a certain way. I want to talk about your um, your tips and your thought processes and approaches to uh, getting. You know, if I'm getting ready for my women's club championship, or um, you know, I've got that member uh, member match uh, event on Saturday. Uh, I know you've got a lot of great uh, mental approaches <laughs> on this that we can discuss today. Well, I think the first thing that people have to realize is that everyone has expectations about how they want to play. And let's talk about this expectation gap because there really is something called a gap of expectations from what we actually uh, perceive and what we actually receive uh, in real life performance, meaning that we have expectations about how things should be going into our first you know, major club championship. And for everybody out there, whether it's you know your club championship or you've got a big you know uh, round with the girls or the guys, it's something that has value to you. It's sort of your big dance. And for the majors, I mean, as in every typical year, we have four really big dances, and they only come one time a year. So if it's your member guest, member member, or it's a big club championship or whatever, or even something is of value to you. That's really what pressure really is. It's a factor or any combination of factors that creates a feeling of this is important to me. So everyone has this big dance. So you have to have the philosophy 
that when you get ready to go to your big dance, whatever this golf event is, whether it's a club championship, a U.S. Open, or the Peter Pan Invitational, you have to remember one thing. It's still a dance, and the best dancers are the people that enjoy the dance. So what I'm saying here is that you have to sort of let go of all the expectations of, I have to shoot well, I've got to get off to a great start, I have to have this unbelievable mindset for four to five hours every day. Uh, a lot of that, you know, is a really a lot of hype, and it really gets people too jacked up. It gets them over aroused, and it takes them out of sort of what I call playing within yourself. So that's some of the things I would talk about because when you have this expectation that says this is the way something should be, and then you go out and perform, and it's not even close. To what you expected there's a gap and that gap is discouragement depression uh, frustration and anger and that's I think that's really what a lot of amateurs have to deal with and a lot of tour players because it is their vocation have learned through trial and error how to actually accept the pitfalls how to be resilient and how to move on and play great golf I think, you know, we see so much of this, you know, some of the guys, uh, you know, that start off and, you know, they're three or four holes in, you'll hear the TV commentators often say, well, that's not the way he's wanted to start out the round. Uh, but they dig in and, um, you know, they look at it, like you said, okay, it's three holes out of 18. Uh, there's a lot more golf to be played. And yet, you know, as amateurs, we just start grumbling and, um, you know, start putting all kinds of negative thoughts like, you know, what happened? I was hitting it great on the range and, um, you know, uh, all, all those things that start to surface so quickly. Really. And, and the thing that you've really touched on is really what separates a great player. I mean, at any level, where it's a junior college tour player or even the very best player at your club and everyone else. The really great players have learned to be patient because patience is confidence waiting to happen. They have learned to be accepting that things aren't always going to work out as planned, but they need to be very adaptable. Everybody wants to talk about you know being consistent and confident, but I think one of the things that really separates really great players is their ability to adjust to adapt to really what the day is giving them, and they make the very best out of that situation. And let me talk about this whole notion about confidence. I think a lot of amateurs and weekend golfers go up to the first tee with great expectations. They're feeling confident, but they have a pseudo or false confidence. And that's what we call conditional confidence. On the condition, that Joe or Judy gets off the first tee and they hit it down the fairway and they play solid golf or they make that first three-footer and they take a deep breath and they go, ooh, okay, I'm good now. On the condition that everything works out well, they tell themselves, okay, I'm going to have a good day. Contrast that with a tour professional or a great accomplished player where they go out and they might three-putt the first hole. They may make an unforced error. 
they do not, you know, really lose that confidence. They understand that they have an enduring confidence is that they know that there's a lot of ebb and flow in a round of golf. And if they've actually started off poorly the first two or three holes, they remind themselves they have 15 more holes starting with the next tee shot, the next hole, to really move it back in a more positive direction. And if you compare that with most amateurs, they're already putting their head between their legs. They're already saying, I've damaged my round. I'm done. Stick a fork on me. Put me on the barbie. Uh, I'm, I'm cooked. And that's the really big difference between players who are playing this week in the U.S. Open because the U.S. Open means one thing. You're going to have tight fairways, high rough, you're almost going to guarantee there's going to be a lot of high scores, and you've got to be patient, and you've got to be resilient, and you've got to keep moving through the bad stuff so that you can get to the good stuff. And I think that's the biggest lesson that all amateurs can watch from watching this week. Now, on the flip side, Dr. Bob, you know, you got the, you got the round rolling. You're getting, you know, really amped up about, you know, how well you're playing, you're really in the zone, you know, you start having expectations of, uh, you know, being the, the leader in the clubhouse, and then suddenly 15, 16, 17, 18, don't go so well. Well, I think what happens, and I've said this, you know, many times about a thought about golf and winning is that if you're over a shot coming down the stretch and you're thinking about the results or you've been thinking about how well you've been playing all day, you're getting ahead of yourself. You're actually playing the game of counting, projecting, and totaling. You're not playing the game of golf. The reason why you are at the position that you are right now, if you're playing really well, is confirmation that what you've been doing all day has been working. You've probably have been sticking to your routine, playing one shot at a time, staying in the moment, and that has gotten you to a great place. But maybe you've looked at the scorecard or maybe someone comes up to you and say, hey, Holly G, you're playing out of your mind. If you par the next two or three holes, you're going to shoot your personal best. Well, that's almost making you aware of your self-awareness. And what you need to do then is say, oh, well, thank you. And then you need to sort of realize that what you've been doing all day is confirmation that what you've been doing has been working and you don't have to change. The mental error that most people do is they go to the 16th tee thinking, oh, I've really got to try harder now. I've really got to really bear down now. And they actually want it so bad, try so hard, that they self-sabotage their talent that has been working all day. So if that happens to any of you listening out there, if you've got a good day, you know, and someone says, hey, you're playing well, keep it going, just you know, nod your head and actually sort of let it go. Remind yourself, hey, I have been playing well because I've been doing my thing. I've been sticking to my routine. I have my process. And I'm going to continue this formula one after one after one until I'm done. Because like we say in poker, you know, you never count your money 
while you're at sitting at the table and playing. You count your money after all the gambling and the dealing and the playing is done. And I've always loved, you know, that the gambler song because that really sort of exemplifies and, and is an analogy for great golf is that we shouldn't be looking at our scorecard. We don't want to be having this mental calculator in our head. We want to remind ourselves what's most important. And I love the Lou Holtz acronym, WIN, WIN, W-I-N. How do I win? You know, he said it's what's important now. And the now is really what you have control of. And if you can actually stay in the now, one shot, one shot, one shot until you're done, that's the secret to great golf. And that's why every great tour player who's ever won on any tour, PGA, LPGA, European, Korean tour, all over the world, they say the same thing because that cliche is the secret to golden scores and low golf. Dr. Bob, I think another piece of this, one of the most fascinating things um, I, I learned in terms of the mental side of the game is that just like, you know, there are, um, you know, personal profile tests that, you know, corporations often use in terms of team building and, you know, how to assess people and the putting them in the right uh, positions in the company. Um, I remember a gentleman that had designed something similar for golf. And, you know, it's sort of, you know, your golf personality profile and really how to understand how, how to create that bubble for yourself. Because if you're somebody that's, you know, a very outgoing person, you know, who may like to chat, you know, along the fairway, uh, that might be a very in intrusive and interrupting to you know somebody that's you know just more serious and has the you know the blinders on and you know doesn't doesn't want to be chit-chatting away so how, how do you also take sort of your golf personality to the course in these types of situations well, I think, you know, people have always talked about that. We created the Dr. Bob profile many years ago, uh, and we looked at all the different algorithms, and we looked at all the different, you know, variables. And what we find is that it's different strokes for different folks, And but people love personality tests. They, you know, tell me about myself, reveal something about myself. And I've sort of kind of always gotten away from those type of tests, and I've gotten more into just questions and answers. And the one thing you have to ask yourself, you know, when you go play is, huh, when I have played my best golf, this is really what I've been thinking. This is really what I've been doing. This has been the mood. And if we can kind of get our mental thermostat around some of those different feelings, like uh, you will hear people say, you know, when did you play your very best golf? They say, well, I played my very best golf when I really wasn't thinking about anything. And what that means is they probably didn't have an abundance of intrusive thoughts. They kept things very clean, very clear, very simple. And, and that's really what I say. When you step into the ball, you always want to have this great plan uh, with what you do. No matter if you're a fast player, slow player, or whatever, remember the ball is only going to move when you actually make impact with it. So you always want to have your head 
and your thoughts in the right place before you step in. And for what I just said there, you know, most people say I play my best golf and I'm not thinking about anything. Uh, I've sort of coined the term directional silence. When you step into the ball, you want to give yourself a very simple thought, a very specific target. And as you step in, you're just swinging that feeling to your target. And that's really what directional silence is all about, is that it cuts out all the chatter, all of you need to do this, you need to do that. And besides, you know, one of the most important things you can do in any type of shot for any amateur is when you're looking, you know, on the tee or you're looking, you know, in the fairway and you're looking at your next shot, you have to ask yourself, what do, what do I really want to do with this shot? Where do I want my ball to go? Now, you can even actually entertain, well, I know I don't want to go here. And I know I don't want to go there. But what we have to do, we have to kind of embrace those negatives to say, okay, I know the architect has put all the trouble there, the bunkers and the water and all that. Okay, now that I know that's there, now what is it that I want to do? Where is it that I want the ball to go? And I think that's really, no matter what personality profile that you have, that's really one of the great things that you can actually do to give yourself the very best chance of playing your very best golf. No matter if you're a rabbit, a turtle, a talker or somebody who's very self-contained. I mean, like we say, there's different strokes for different folks, and that's why there are so many different characters on every tour on the globe because it's pretty funny. You've got people who have been very animated, like Lee Trevino. You've got, you know, people who are very stoic, uh, who have, you know, smooth swings, but you don't they don't really say very much. They don't, you know, emote very much. Uh, you know, so it's uh, the golf ball doesn't know what type of personality you have. It only understands impact. Great point, Dr. Bob. Um, as always, you know how to just laser it, keep it simple, and no one in the world has had a bigger impact on helping all types of players into the winner circle. Dr. Bob creates winners, whether it's the club championship or your first tour event. Dr. Bob, how do my listeners get in touch with you to improve the mental side of their game? They could reach me at my websites. I have a couple at drbobwinters.com, drbobwinters.com. That's one. And another one is theconfidencedoctor.com and theconfidencedoctor.com. And if you really want to get a hold of me, you can actually go to David Ledbetter, ledbetter.com. And I've you know, been with David Ledbetter now for the past 20 years as his uh, resident sports psychologist at our world teaching headquarters at Championscape. And so that's been just an unbelievable friendship and uh, great, great colleague and wonderful friend. And we've got some great things going on out there at Ledbetter University. So we're really, really excited. And we're excited here, you know, for Wing Foot. And Holly, who do you have? You know, who do you have in the top three, top four this week? I'm, I'm interested. Ooh, well, um, you got to go with DJ. He's certainly uh, the hottest player right now, and I've really got new respect for Dustin Johnson and his game for the way he's been able to adapt on uh, the venues, the different venues throughout the, the playoffs and his big win, of course, uh, in the Tour Championship. Another guy I have been, um, you know, high on for 
the past three years, uh, Xander Shoffley. I think Xander uh, has a game uh, meant for winged foot. Um, I'd like to see him break through and win a major championship. And then let's see if I was going to go a little off the radar. Um, I think I might pick Patrick Reed, Dr. Bob. Um, yeah, you know, very good. Patrick uh, has just a great short game putting. Um, you know, he can, he's, he's a pretty good driver of the ball, tenacious as heck. And, um, you know, be uh, great to see Patrick put another win under his resume. Major win. Well, I, you know, there are just so many uh, different players. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm rooting, you know, for some very specific ones. Tony Finau would be, you know, right at the top of the list. Love I Tony. Think it, Love yeah, him. Yeah, I, I think if Tony can actually, you know, keep, you know, his ball right in the short grass and, and have, you know, a, a reasonable weak putting, I think he will be right there at the top. I'll tell you another player, and I'm going to put it out there, and people go, oh, you got to be kidding me. Uh, I'm looking at Steve Stricker, and I'll tell you why. Steve because Stricker? <laughs> Steve Stricker, not only, but he's, he'd had a great, great uh, run the last time, I think, that uh, 2006 Wingfoot was there. Oh. Let's not forget, you know, the major player in this whole tournament is Wingfoot. I remember, you know, as a young college player watching Hale Irwin uh, yes. shoot seven over par to win the yes. massacre at Wingfoot. And I happen to believe now it's in September, the grass has been growing now in the rough. It is thick. It's lush. We uh, have sort of a different temperature change. Um, I happen to believe that the people who are really fairly straight, fairly accurate, uh, obviously we talk about, you know, the big hitters, and the big hitters have an advantage on on one reason, is that when they do get in the rough, uh, they are very strong. They have a lot of club head speed. They can actually use less club and get the ball out of that hay. And this is really what I've always loved about the U.S. Open. I I didn't really appreciate uh, so much the USGA going in there and making it look like uh, it was all brown, where it was like really fast and hard. I like it green. I like it lush. I like it deep. Yeah. Uh, Because that that puts a premium on all sorts of shot making. Traditional classic courses, baby. It it is. And And I happen to believe You've got people like uh, the young Colin Morikara, some of those players who are really solid in every aspect of their game. Because to become a U.S. Open champion, this isn't you know just a putting championship. It's not a power championship. It you know really you know reflects in every area of your game: accuracy, precision, control, putting, finesse, nerve, and emotional arousal control. It really is. It really does recognize the greatest golfer uh, for our national open title. So uh, even though it's not what we call the open open this year, uh, but it is going to have a great U.S. open feel to it at Wingfoot. And like I say, you know, who always wins at Wingfoot? Golf. Golf always wins at Wingfoot. And I think Wingfoot will be the big champion again this year. I couldn't agree more. So excited. Dr. Bob, as always, we appreciate you spending some time and sharing your mental thoughts with our listeners. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Holly. See you next time.